Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figure Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, stretching my legs, welcoming you back into the inner sanctum that is 5280 Geek and the Weekend Geek Update. So, what's been going on? It's an excellent question. But before we get to that, let's talk about our sponsor. Yes, we are part of the Colorado Festival of Horror, and we are holding this spectacular event Saturday, April 8th at the Sea Film Center. We are having a double feature of uh, Fright Night, which is absolutely spectacular. It's one of my favorite films. And we are doing uh, Motel London 1 through 3, which is a fan film. So it kind of uh, works together. It is absolutely going to have a perfect flow. It's a chance to see Fright Night in the theaters, the original ones, if you've never seen it. And it is it's spectacular. You're cheating yourself if you have not seen this film. In addition to Motel London, which is so interesting and just yikes. I can't give I can't I I, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to give any of anything away. Because anything I've got in my mind right now is just gonna ruin the film for you. So Come and check it out yourself at the Sea Film Center, uh, April 8th, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Tickets are available at the Sea Center, or if you go to Facebook on the link here, you'll go directly to the event page and be able to purchase tickets there. So I'll be in attendance along with the rest of the Colorado Festival of Horror. Also look out for later today, a new guest announcement is about to hit uh, by yours truly. I will be... Letting you guys in on our next guest for the Colorado Festival of Horror, which is right around the corner. Well, it's like six months, but still, it feels like there's not enough time. I mean, at least last year we had like, you know, more time it feels like, but we're actually right on time. So it's 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 just this weird perception. I think it's because I have been doing cons across the country. I haven't had a chance to really like sit down and relax. Um, barely caught up with my reading. Uh, working on, you know, catching up on films and movies. At least on the road I can download stuff and watch it. So I can kind of stay current with what's going on. Uh, so without any other ado, what is catching my eye? What's going on across the geek first? That's an excellent question. So let's just dive into it. I think Matthew McConaughey has found the role that he was meant to play. That role, of course, is Elvis. <laughs> I Okay, so... Yeah, I'm surfing through Netflix and trying to find, and I'm sure you're like me where you want to watch something, but you don't want it to be too much and have it pull you in or take up too much time. You just want something to just fill the gap, but not be too, you know, involving, just something simple. And I had just finished watching the Chris Rock new comedy special special on Netflix, which is brilliant. And Chris Rock delivers a very impressive stand-up again, and the man just has a certain perspective. Him and Dave Chappelle, absolutely love. But, side note, 
Agent Elvis is by far one of the most original. Well, not original. I mean, it, <laughs> it plays off of a lot of fan theories, and you know, uh, is is Elvis dead? It what what? Where is Elvis? You know, and the conspiracy theorists and all of that fun stuff. It really plays into it. But Matthew McConaughey is Elvis. He voices the Elvis character in this animated series. And, of course, Priscilla Presley is involved in the project. And there, there's just so much just fun and just uh, absolute joy. So Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey God almighty, uh, is Elvis. We got Johnny Knoxville in there. Tara Strong is in there. Don Cheadle. I mean, those are just the names off of my head that I remember. So it's... It is hilarious. I love the hell out of it. D. Bradley Baker, of course, is in there who will be at Denver Comic-Con this year or Fan Expo Denver. Um, it's worth the watch, even just to just kind of check out for a little bit. It's absolutely worth uh, just, just kind of getting into it. And it is an, an, it's an adult animation on Netflix. Don't don't kid yourself. I don't think I don't. I don't think your kids should be watching it. But then, I don't know. I don't have kids, so I'd let them watch it. But then I would be a horrible parent. We've, we've already decided that. So while I'm getting caught up on shows, the um, I did get to see Shazam, which I will revisit in a minute and kind of give you my take on what, what I think. I know we will have a meat and potatoes review of that later this week because uh, it, it was... Um, it's, it's an interesting comic book movie, but we'll, we'll we'll circle back around to that in just a minute. The one thing, and again, I know I wasn't I wasn't going to make this a thing, but um, the Last of Us, oh my god, it is perfection. Short, but damn, damn, damn. The final episode for the season aired last week, and. Um, Basically, it's everything at the end of the video game. And all I can say is Joel is just like a Terminator. The whole scene of him running around in the Fireflies compound and just laying waste to everybody was just... It really felt like the Terminator. He's running around, and as he's going, picking up weapons, taking people out. And it was some very impressive writing. And I have to say that... Pedro Pascal and and again it feels like Mandalorian because there's just so many similarities and things going on and uh wow just wow and we do get kind of like a a feel cuz I've always said that this is what Walking Dead wishes it could have been and in particular the whole situation with Joel being incapacitated there is a very similar story to this in Walking Dead when Rick uh, get, goes down and Carl's got to take care of him. We also see some very strong similarities um, to uh, the Terminus storyline as well as we close out The Last of Us. And whereas Terminus, you're kind of, are they, are they not? Is this true? In, in, in Last of Us, you absolutely know they're eating people. And it comes as no surprise when that is revealed so 
to see this whole story and everything else evolve and how they approached it is absolutely brilliant. And I can't wait for a second season. And, ooh, what? Second season? Now, while the the season, this one, ends very similar to the video game, you're left asking questions of why and what and... Are they are they sticking together? Are Joel and Ellie still the, the the team? And there are a lot of questions that linger when th- this episode ends, because Ellie knows Joel's not exactly being honest, but can't prove it. And the fact that she's still alive and the basic huge connection that they made at the beginning of this episode that you see them share together is is very relevant. It's 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 very uh, palpable. And to see the, these two connect and, for better or worse, trust each, trust each other is, is spectacular. Now, according to everything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks while I'm being away, a second season has already been ordered with Ramsey confirmed to return as Ellie, uh, while Mason and co-creator Neil uh, Durkham have said there are already plans for season three for The Last of Us. And evidently, they just destroyed records as far as viewership and everything else that has um, come through the Hobo series uh, so far. Now, who knows how this story progresses? Because I don't know if there's a Last of Us 2 video game, and I don't think there is. So I'm very excited to see what direction they go now that they have consumed a lot of the source material. They've built on it. They've improved it in some regards. And now we get to see kind of a... A much bigger view of the, the the characters. Question, though, is Joel going to come back? Because I really honestly think that the dynamic between the two of these characters is what has been the driving force. To eliminate one is to take away a lot of the substance that I think all of us have come to enjoy watching this relationship and and how Joel interacts with not only the people around him, and um, the environment itself, having been through so much. It's an excellent question. I don't know. No word on if they've started filming or what happens next or what they plan to do. It's very it's very interesting. I think it was just absolutely spectacular. And like I said, it seems very short. They kind of tied everything up relatively quickly and I don't know if it was production limitations or if Pedro had to get back to the Mandalorian or or what it was, but it just seemed like it it was an abrupt ending. So maybe I'm sure that was on purpose because again, trying to stay closer to the source material than um, than you know variations and you know do the alternate endings and all of that stuff. It's fine. Works out perfect. We shall see. As information on this comes available, I will let you know, just because I loved it that much. Speaking of Mandalorian, of course, so many cool things going on. Such an interesting turn of events. Let's talk Mando, shall we? So, there are some things that I'm fine and okay with. But they're, they're starting to be a few holes in Mandalorian. And oh, I know, how dare you, Smurf? How dare you point out the flaws in the Mandalorian? Grogu able to point out on a map 
of where he wants to go to R5-D4 is a little ridiculous even for me, okay? <laughs> I've got problems with this. <laughs> Mando has just been a bright light, and I know my, my critiquing kind of ends there because I'm still very in awe with what they're doing and how... We're now kind of like in uncharted territory. We don't know where the story is going, and we have a lot of speculations. And we're getting, I think, what the fans have always wanted, even even the passerbyers. We want more Mandalorians. We want more about what what goes into being a Mandalore and, and the armor and, and the history and the legacy and all of that. And we get a lot of that from the last few episodes. Now, if you haven't watched it, I'm sorry, I'm going to try and be as spoiler-free as possible, but Bo-Katan knows exactly what she's doing. Seeing the mythosaur as she did, I think she already knows her play. And she's laying low with everybody to try and basically take over Mandalore again, without the aid of the Darksaber. I think she respects Mando to the point that she doesn't want to defeat him in battle. She wants him as her lieutenant. She wants him in her pocket to serve a bigger purpose. Because, according to Mandalorian lore, uh, you can ride the Mythosaur, you can you can rule Mandalore. And that, that's quite an impressive feat. Especially when we see this giant beastie in the waters below when uh, the living waters, when Mando goes for his little little dip in the pool. And it was, it was really cool. I can't, I, I, I mean, I don't want to downplay it or make it sound silly, but I mean, it was, wow. And then, of course, you get the whole, did you see that? No, see what? You know, and then, of course, was she hallucinating? Is it a vision? Are, you know, I like that we're trying to get kind of more of the, the, the mystic and the lore and everything else, the armorer being so coy about everything that's going on. And there are, ideas and thoughts about who who the armorer is and I'm going to save that for another podcast cuz I want I want one more episode to see what happens this week in regards to the armorer. I have a feeling that there is going to be a big reveal as far as who the armorer is, knows who Bo-Katan is and now I want to see how this how this all plays out. I don't want to ruin it. However, the cloning technology and the, the filler story in between, eh, I could have done without. Probably could have been about mm, 10 minutes shorter than what it was, but it did raise some very interesting questions as far as the clones, and we're seeing it in Bad Batch as well as far as the legacy of the clones and what happens to them, and clone genocide is, is definitely on the horizon. If it hasn't already started in the Empire, it, it's probably it's probably going to be. It's it's It's... It's a coming. <laughs> but the cloning technology raises some very interesting ideas and leads into, of course, uh, The Last Jedi and the new, the new films. But I think there's something larger under the surface. And it depends on if they will pull from, or what they pull, from the extended universe previous to this. Because Heir to the Empire saw a very impressive Jedi Master called Saboth. And in that story, he was a clone, but absolutely rat shit mad. Just nuttier than owl shit. And he was just crazed, but he was a clone. The Emperor cloned him, 
to safeguard his his stash, his his treasure trove of of little little knickknacks that he'd picked up along the way. One, of course, was like a cloaking device, which okay. Anyway, <laughs> and of course, the clone tanks, where the emperor had his body stashed. So, will we see some both? Is there the opportunity that this does lead into something bigger that we don't know? And, of course, there's hints at Grand Admiral Thrawn and what we may see for uh, Ahsoka. There are, there's so many like little Easter eggs and things that are dropped that you want, to, you want to speculate and have all these great ideas. What do I know right now? I know I really love this show. I, I mean, the inner Star Wars nerd in me, the little kid that you know, had the figures and all the ships and all of that is absolutely just overflowing with giddy abandon. And you should. You don't want to dive too deeply into the Star Wars lore because there's just so many different stories, different things, and different perspectives that we've had all of this influx of different creatives driving this bus for so long. And to have Filoni and and everyone focused on the specific task at hand is is perfect now i know there is the opportunity the chance that we're going to see multiple shows that will be happening at the same time as far as time in 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 the the timeline which i think will be absolutely awesome i want to see some crossovers i want to see more characters that can interact we don't know who where or what everyone is in relation to the timeline, who's alive, who's dead. And I know Favreau is is very keen on building this infrastructure, building the, the architecture to better tell stories, to expand the Star Wars universe without the aid of the Skywalker name, and has done a spectacular job of it. Let's make no mistake. Absolutely brilliant. But... It could be better. <laughs> How dare you, Smurf? Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I want, I, I, I want it to be a little more cohesive. I want it to make sense, and we'll see. It's just, it's just a matter of time. It's just, it's just a way of getting there. And I, I'm very anxious. Like I said, I'm anxious for this week because I, I'm hoping we will get hints as far as who the armorer is and what. Uh, what happens next? So, Mando, worth the watch. The other surprise, like huge surprise for me, is Picard this year. I, I mean, especially when I'm like comparing the two shows, Picard, I mean, okay, granted, it takes three episodes to get out of a cloud. Seriously, come on. Talk about me having issues with <sighs> relatable stories and shit like that. You can't spend, you know, three episodes in a cloud. I have problems with that. <laughs> but again, I do I do have to say Paramount was probably listening to the podcast a couple years ago when I brought up where are the 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 changelings? Where are they? What's going on? And lo and behold, I get I get my wish. <laughs> the changelings offer such a unique and fun foil and villain and they've done they've done a very interesting take on it and view and there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of moving parts to this storyline and I like it I like it a lot 
especially with last week's surprise guest. And I don't want to ruin it because even I didn't see it coming. I was absolutely stunned as far as who it was. And it was probably one of the coolest appearances so far in in these last three seasons. So to have that remain such a secret and just suddenly in your face, it really speaks to what they're trying to do. And I know there is a fair, I won't, I mean, I guess there is a fair amount of fan service. This is basically the continuation of, of next gen. We, we, we're going to get finality. We're going to see characters finish their story arcs that have been in the works for 30 some years. And I'm okay with that. Having closure and everything is good. Even with Kirk's era, we have seen kind of a closure to all of the characters and, you know, what what has been their final fate. And that I guess that's always that's always the rub. We always want to know what's the final fate of any character that we fall in love with. And to see, you know, Data come to his end and the finality of it and, you know, them even tie up even loose ends that we didn't even know we we had. So to see all of that kind of play out over the last couple of seasons, and now here we are with everybody else fighting for, we don't know what, we know lore is behind the background somewhere, um, the changelings of course, no Borg technology yet, but I don't know if we'll see it since you know we've kind of beaten the Borg to death, and the changelings serve a much cheaper <laughs> and effective villain for budgetary reasons. And especially with the upgrade to the character. So, again, I'm trying not to spoil things, but it, it, I'm actually more compelled with Picard right now than I am Mandalorian. And it could be just that I'm going to come back to the Mandalorian and watch it a couple more times anyway, and I want the story to evolve. I want more Mandos. But at the same point, um, I'm very excited to see how Picard kind of progresses. There's been... A fair amount of fights in space, and again, three episodes to get out of a cloud. Very, it, it screams Wrath of Khan. Again, you know, we're in a nebula, and they're fighting, and it 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 did have a nice conclusion. I'll give it that. There was a nice little tidy kind of oh moment for that storyline, and and it and it's fine, and it very and, and it hails back to next gen as a show and everything that I remember from watching that in the past. So to kind of have that little nod and that moment, it was kind of cool. Again, three episodes to get out of cloud. It's like an entire season to get out of a driveway. Time management guys. So when I think of the comparison of the two, Picard's got me right now, but I know Mando is going to win. It's a longer game. It's a better game. We're getting dogfights in space. Uh, the N1 fighter is just badass, and just to see it in action again. Because, I mean, we get kind of a view with Phantom Menace, and albeit a brief one, we do see the the capabilities of the ship. But, man, it's just fun to see dogfights in space. And who's the Empire that's coming after Bo? Is it Thrawn? I think so. I think it's Thrawn. I hope so. Grand Animal Thrawn. Maybe. We'll see. The other thing about Picard that has me perplexed is now I don't know where they're going to go. The 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 Federation, of course, has been sabotaged, and it goes all the way to the highest level, and it, it also plays off of another generation storyline of the little worm creatures that were in you know some of the 
upper brass's heads and running Starfleet, and it, it really kind of called back to that moment for me, and I, I was I just kind of giggled. So when we think about where it's going to go, it raises a question because we're dealing with the changeling. Are we going to go back to DS9? Are we going to revisit where this all came from and started and see if they, you know, get answers or help? I know this is a fraction unit from the the collective, the the pool of goo, but I, I'm very anxious to see where it goes. And they aren't giving us any hints. There's no scenes to next week on either side. So there's a whole lot of guessing, a whole lot of, you know, hypotheses. And I think, I hope, I wouldn't mind a trip back to Deep Space Nine. I don't know who's there, but uh, it would still be just kind of fun. Just to revisit, in my opinion. But it's not all roses and, and rainbows. There are some very interesting stories that have like blown up and, and erupted over the last couple of days. One of which is Willow being cut after the first season. Um, but the creator is saying otherwise, that it actually hasn't been canceled, and season two has been mapped out. The reason for the delay is just simple production issues. And Willow season two is still possible, despite Disney Plus showrunner's hiatus, according to the showrunner Jonathan Cashdan. Um... Cashdan addressed Willow's future in a lengthy statement shared via Twitter. In the statement, Kardashian challenged the narrative that Lucasfilm had axed the series outright, insisting that neither he nor the folks at Lucas would uh, have actually characterized it quite that way uh, and have explained that Willow's core cast members were released from their contracts to allow them to pursue other opportunities after it became clear the show's second season wouldn't begin shooting in the next 12 months. So, I don't know how I feel about this, because Willow being what it was, maybe a little late, but played to that narrative very well as far as the gap between the film and the uh, the actual, you know, characters themselves. And I think it went well. There were some moments, and I, I, like I said, I don't know if Warwick Davis is, is just kind of mailing it in or that's just the way he sees the character at this stage of the game, but... There were some great moments, and it was fun to see these characters. And we do get kind of a, a finality for Mad Mardigan. We know we won't we won't see him. Christian Slater showing up as you know the, the shieldsman for uh, a, for uh, for his character. Sorry, I was reading something else. Uh, so the I don't know. I'm I I get it. I can see them canceling it, but everyone is saying that the show, in their mind, was good. They enjoyed it, and I can see the aspects of the show that that were enjoyable. I mean, I did tune in every week. I I didn't abandon it. I didn't lose hope, and I do want to see what happens next. There was a compelling enough story that I think that there could be a continuation. And to see that they've got things mapped out to maybe even doing a, a third season is is encouraging i don't know if we're gonna get it though (laughs) and i am surprised i mean you've got other shows and i know this was hbo plus but immediately as soon as i heard that they canceled willow 
but that horrible Scooby-Doo cartoon, the Velma series, gets renewed for a second season, and it's absolute garbage, really made me stop and think. And I know Hobo's one thing, Disney Plus is entirely different, and I know they, they, they're not the same. But they're driven off of, like, the same thought process, the same, you know, executions, right? And how you would abandon something. And I know there's probably budgetary things involved as well. You're, you know, dealing with sets and armor and location and, you know, four different characters versus, you know, a few voice actors that come in, stand in a booth in their sweatpants and deliver, you know, compelling dialogue. That's if someone could write something compelling for that show. My worry is shows like Velma are going to beat out shows like Willow just because of those reasons. I don't think we should abandon Willow. I'm Like I said, I'm of the mindset that I would like to see what happens. I want to see if it's just how this how this series was written that, that, that kind of gave us the end result that we did. Was I happy with the end? Yeah, all right. I was, I was, I was marginally happy, and I was excited for the next chapter especially when you know they they leave the cliffhanger pulling out the book and chapter two and all of that and i'm like okay who's writing the book of course i'm sure it's willow but that's besides the point i was still in i'm still in is it been canceled has it not been canceled does dc even or does disney even know what they're doing over there probably not i have a feeling that it's just ran by a bunch of crazed chipmunks that that make hash decisions after eating too much pb and j <laughs> we'll see after the uh lengthy hiatus on this one if they will come back for season two and uh until then uh, keep your fingers crossed also speaking of shows coming back uh jeffrey dean morgan was celebrating the boys season four on uh twitter a couple days ago with a nice, playful flipping of the bird to the camera, which is totally how you would salute in the boys. I really, I think that is the boys' secret secret handshake. I think the boys has been fabulous, even though I still haven't finished season three, uh, just because of other things. Eh. But I'm very excited for season four, and I'm happy that we will get a season four. However, we don't know when we're going to get season four. No dates or anything has been released or what character Jeffrey Dean Morgan is going to be portraying on season four of The Boys. I do have to admit Jensen Eccles was perfect for Soldier Boy. I think his character and what he's doing is brilliant. It works so well, and it really makes me feel like the comic. And I can't, I can't fault the boys in any way of their choices or what they've done. It has all made sense. It feels just like I think the comic would on TV, and I absolutely love it. Yes, it is very intense at times, as Susie will tell you, and would send some people running in the direction the other other way. But it's it's okay. It's worth the watch. And makes it feel so much, so much more. Of course, after the end of The Walking Dead, and we'll get to this right now, actually. Um, there is so many questions because Morgan's got, okay, so he's got the boys and he's got the new Walking Dead spinoff that will be coming. Um, when is that? I think that's this year. I know they're talking about um, the new show for 
um, Rick and Michonne finally getting back together. And I think all of this is looking at next year. I mean, we might see, I think, right now. Yeah, right now, everything is looking to next year. We will uh, supposedly see uh, Daryl Dixon, his show, in later this year. The Rick and Michonne, the Rick and Michonne show, uh, we're seeing it next year. After following up on the final season of Fear the Walking Dead, which is in May, if I'm not mistaken, for next year. So when we see the Walking Dead universe and all of that, I mean, we've seen kind of sneak peeks at it. And maybe Jeffrey Dean Morgan is trying to do too much while being Negan and being character X. <laughs> I do like the way he plays his characters. I mean, he was perfect as the comedian and I know Negan kind of fell short in a lot of areas in comparison to the comic and the show and I I think I think he did the best he could. And I'm and even with like Supernatural, he he still can play like an endearing father figure and and kill demons all at the same time. It's great. <laughs> but can he be stretched too thin? Is is it going to be the same character? Is it is it the comedian all over again? It's value value valuable questions. And I guess we'll wait and see. But we won't get uh, Rick and Michonne until 2014. And there are pictures already circulating of them filming and a bloodied Rick. Of course, we know it's not his blood. We we know better. The man the man is a machine. He's methodical. He's a killing machine. And I'm very interested to see the reunion between Michonne and Rick. I want to see how they're gonna how they're gonna work that out. Because you know it's been a number of years at this point, even in like the Walking Dead's timeline since the last time they saw each other. So how do you catch up? How do you get there? It's very, very fun to see. I'll be anxious to see what it looks like. But as of right now, if you're waiting for some new stuff from Walking Dead, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer, and we'll see when uh, Daryl shows up. In other weird nerd-related news, Fungo Pops uh, basically trashed about $30 million worth of excess. That's a lot of vinyl to throw into the dumpster. $30 million. I mean, whose job is it to quality control? I mean, how do you produce that much product and go, it's just better to throw it away than throw it up at discount? I mean... Granted, maybe it's stuff that nobody wanted, but yikes. Um, I guess the the issues at Funko are a little bit more dire than anyone had thought. And to be honest, we'd even spoken about this on the podcast. The, the bubbles popped a long time ago for Funko. And how it's held on this long is a surprise to me. Uh, but according to the report, by the end of 2022, Funko's inventory totaled $246.4 million, which is up 48% from the year prior. So uh, that's uh, yikes. Funko intends to eliminate the excess toys in the first half of this year, uh, reducing fulfillment costs by managing inventory, blah, 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 blah. 
What does that mean to the, the local nerd? Well, like Beanie Babies, the shelf life is over. Whether they have tags on them or not is irrelevant. Collect the ones you like, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> the swan song has played. The fat lady not only sang, went home, had a bubble bath, put her feet up, and is passed out cold right now. I don't know what Funko's next steps are, and I mean, it, it was fun at first, and it was cute, and it, it ran its course. Will we see them hold on and, and continue forward? Maybe. And I'm sure it would be very short-sighted of me to say that um, it, it's going to just disappear. I don't think it'll disappear. They're far too clever over at Funko to just let themselves get... <laughs> pushed out, become extinct, become no longer relevant. Ooh. For a pop culture-driven toy site, no longer be relevant? That's a scary thought. Sorry, my mind kind of trailed off there for a second, thinking of what that world would look like. See, this is if I was live, I would can I like have like the, the Scooby-Doo mystery, and then we could do like an alternate world of without Funko Pops and how black and white and gray it would be. Brr. <laughs> I'm sure we will see Funko continue, and as they restructure, there's nothing to worry about. It's just going to be them focusing on different stuff. I just, I'm just still baffled at throwing away that much, that much product. What else? So the comic book world is really in disarray. Things are just nuts as I'm watching things evolve and kind of take on different um, aspects and directions than I anticipated. And for me, it's kind of entertaining to watch. Disastrous, mind you, but still fun to watch. One of which is Gotham Knights, a show that nobody wanted, nobody asked for, and nobody cares. I don't understand... I mean, I do understand the premise, but I just don't understand the motivation behind doing this. I know it's to try and coincide with the Gotham Knights game, which is actually fun, a little lengthy, and kind of is very... In the vein of Arkham Asylum and all of the other previous Batman-driven games to this point. At least the last three. So when we get the show Gotham Knights, Bruce Wayne is evidently dead, thrown out of the window of Wayne Tower. Uh, I got some problems. Um, A, don't think that would ever happen. Ever. <laughs> I've even seen that storyline. It didn't happen. Ever. And I know it's a certain leap of disbelief and just kind of taking things on as they are. It's fine. But the story itself, the first episode of season one, was everything I kind of expected it to be, and even more so of just nonsense after watching it and how they discover the Bat Cave and how these characters start to coincide even the the thoughts and disconnect of uh, Batman is Bruce Wayne you know and there are some eh, there are some interesting moments but it is a WB show this is you know emotions in hallways and and stairwells and just weird places to have conversations and temper tantrums and self-exploration and I'm I'm not I'm not I don't have the patience I don't think at this point and I don't even know if I have the bandwidth to welcome in yet another failed exploration of DC characters I really don't care about. I am cool with the Joker's daughter. I, I Dwella Dent, 
might be one of the more interesting characters uh, that we see. I mean, we definitely get a hint at the spoiler. I, I don't Dick Grayson or Robin or Nightwing or what Red Robin. I mean, there are a lot of hints to different characters, different nods to things for Titans and DCU. But the problem is with James Gunn at the helm, we don't know exactly what the fate of DC is. DC is definitely in this interesting flux as we're about to see the resurrection of its comic book line. It's been on hiatus for the last year and a half with only the Trinity driving sales in comic books uh, from Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash occasionally. Green Lantern's been mm, not the best. And just just kind of a, a very shallow pool of which to shop from. DC's about to unleash a whole new series of different books and titles and directions that I don't know if they've even thought through. James Gunn being at the helm of the DCU's cinematic universe, however, he's already said everything is going to kind of coincide, work together, and complement all the other forms around it. I don't know if Gotham Knights figures into that because it's just kind of a broken aspect of a story right now, and not a very good one in my opinion. And maybe it'll get better. I mean, it's very hard to tell things from the pilot episode and maybe things get addressed and they're set a certain way so that there's easier transitions. And and I'm fine with that. I, again, like a good story. If this is a good story, <laughs> that is the question. Batman being taken out and everyone disavowed is it is a cool prospect and one that I'm surprised hasn't been under, you know, a much larger storytelling arc in the comics. I mean, we've seen Batman die a couple of times in the comics and other people take on the mantle and there's been the back and forth and all of that. And it's fine. But when it, it, it elevates to this kind of level of storytelling, I, I think they they didn't think it well all the way through. I kind of have issues with that. So that said... The the issue that I've got right now is what what is next? What is next for DC? DC has always been awful at the box office. Uh, you have even Dwayne The Rock Johnson unable to produce the numbers everyone was hoping or anticipating to see with Black Adam. The movie was fine. Pierce Brosnan was brilliant. Everything else was semi-questionable which brings me to my take I did see Shazam and no spoilers but it was it was fun it kind of it kind of built a little bit off of the first movie it didn't address anything and if anything it kind of shelved all of the background characters which also brings me to the point of you know Batman Returns when you start introducing too many characters that you don't have adequate time to explore or dive into then you're you're really basically committing a disservice to the viewer and and the character itself to be honest with you Shazam is always in my mind a single character the Shazam family operates in an entirely different level now, I understand that Shazam is wrestling with trying to be the head of the family. He, he's the one everyone looks to, even though he's late to the party and, and all of that will look to the side on. But we have all of these other characters that 
are just kind of there. We don't really get a whole lot of exploration on them. And in fact, a few of them lose their powers through the, the course of the, the, the movie. Which, okay. But to use that as a reason to just basically not talk about the character and to kind of remove them from the equation is kind of bad writing, in my opinion. I, 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 I know things are very in flux right now with DC. And I think there is hope for Shazam. I mean, I do like the character. I wasn't disappointed in the film, but, I mean, I walked out of there feeling pretty, you know, content with what I saw, and I was entertained. Did I want to see more of some characters? Yes. I think they left Mary Marvel completely out of the equation for whatever reason. I don't know if they were afraid that she would outshine Shazam, and that is a good possibility. I'm actually more interested in Mary Marvel's progression into the DCU than I am Shazam. Shazam's already established and has and, and has an easy way in with his rivalry between Black Adam being part of the Justice League and everything else. Mary Marvel, as she came into the latter half of DC's 52 and all of that, and her going to a more darker side and being kind of seduced by Black Adam was a really compelling story. And I think Mary Marvel does have the potential to be a, f- a fun character to explore. The others are just kind of there. And I'm just... There's no substance. We don't really get a whole lot of explanation to them. Um, and without any giveaways, there's just like some random things just thrown in there to try and build characters that you're like, okay, well, there's there's just a comment to help flesh out a character that we really don't know anything about (sighs) I digress the film itself is fun it is a wonderful special effects feature that has some fun it has some characters that and monsters that I was very excited to see and wanted to see more of how does this fare in the James Gunn universe will we see Black Adam and Shazam face off is this building to a bigger, better DCU for the box office? Well, there are two end credit scenes that you do need to stay for. And, if anything, it does help answer some of those questions as far as the direction and the potential that we might see for Shazam. And maybe everyone is staying quiet under strict directions of Mr. Gunn as he busily orchestrates uh, the return of the DCU for the box office. In fact, I know he said basically Man of Tomorrow is either going to make or break his plan for setting everything up. And it it could very well. I mean, I don't even know if we can go that far. We'll wait and see. But I'm optimistic. I want to see DC succeed. I I want to see them pull a Marvel. I really do. And I think they've got the characters to do it. I do think Shazam needs to be in that mix somehow. Maybe not the entire Shazam family because we don't have that kind of time. And and we, we, we just don't. There are some cool opportunities that I think were left on the table, especially when you're dealing with the Rock of Eternity and the doors to everywhere. And maybe this is a story that's kind of building up to expanding or maybe we'll see as a hobo series or something like that i i all excellent questions and it's a lot to be left on the table 
I don't want people going to Shazam just out of a pity view, thinking, well, you know, this will just be the end of this one because Gunn's not going to care or doesn't care. It hasn't focused on it. It's very good questions. I enjoyed the film, though. From a, from a viewing standpoint and a comic book fan standpoint, it's worth the watch. And to see Zachary Levi kind of, I mean, he's having fun. I mean, he's, he's, he's playing a superhero. And he kind of, when I'm watching him in his, in his, his scenes, it, it basically reminds me of, of how I would approach it, you know? And uh, you're a kid, you have superpowers, and you're making a movie about superheroes. I would absolutely be acting like a little kid and just kind of in that weird kind of awkward sense that we get from Shazam. There is, you know, some, some coming, coming of age story here. The, the villainesses are, are very, uh, I don't know, stereotypical lackluster. We've seen it before. And I hate to say it that way. You have Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. I mean, let's face it. They have they have played some very intense evildoers. And you just kind of get I don't I wouldn't say a phoning in of the characters, but again, there's not a whole lot of screen time. We get some basic little snippets and that's it. So whose fault? Who's at fault? I don't know if anyone is at fault. There's just not enough time in a movie sometimes to tell the entire story and what you decide to focus on for that story is very telling when the characters are just kind of eh, carbon copies of what you think they should be now while on the other side we've got marvel continue with my comics thought hobo has for some strange no excuse me not hobo disney plus since they have the rights to the X-Men, have decided to expand on the classic X-Men 97 cartoon line. And we will be seeing that sometime soon, I guess, on the Disney Plus platform. All we know is that at some point in 2023, Disney Plus is going to premiere the new show. Continuing off from where I guess we left on the last animated series. They have, however, have added who is going to be the big bad. And I actually applaud their choice. I think it's a bold choice. And actually, it doesn't, it doesn't take too much of a rocket science to figure out why they've chosen this character. But Mr. Sinister has been named as the big bad. And I think that's a perfect choice as we go in a, a new direction, bringing back a lot of some of the familiar cast. But Mr. Sinister... In fact, he right now running a very impressive storyline in the Marvel comics. Sinister is a cloner. He 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 can clone people. He takes their powers. He dabbles and and does different things. He is the creator of the Marauders, who wiped out the Morlocks. There is a very rich history of. Uh, stories for Mr. Sinister. Even in the Age of Apocalypse, he was doing the exact same thing as he created very dark, sinister versions of different mutants and sent them to the pits. And It's actually kind of a very compelling villain that I think got overlooked a long time ago, especially when you're dealing with the other bigger bads. I mean, it's hard to... Come on, hard to beat... Apocalypse. I mean, the character alone and just the stories that revolve around him, it's difficult to see anyone else that could, could, could beat him. I mean, Strife, yes, 
there, there, there are so many different villains. Magneto, of course. Um, but then, is Magneto a villain? Huh? Huh? Mr. Sinister does offer some fun kind of different storylines, different clones. Just some, some things that haven't been done before. And I don't want it to be a rehash of the older animated series. I don't think it would, but it just... Mm. So if you're a speculator out there... Definitely need to go pick up Mr. Sinister's first appearance, which I think is X-Factor 8. I'd have to check on that. It's been a long time since I've looked up that one. Um, but it, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see. And I want, I want, I want to be... Entertained. I want to be compelled. I want. To, I want to. I want to relive some of the childhood because you know, as of late, the X Men title has sucked. All right, without a doubt, hands down, blown. I and I'm. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are hissing at me and just oh, Smurf. How could you? Well, I could quite easily because X Men was like my favorite, and then they destroyed it, and then it's no longer my favorite. The storylines have been drab. They have been boring. They've been predictable. They have been stupid, and I just can't take it anymore. I won't want that taste out of my mouth. And if a new animated series is going to offer me that opportunity, you better believe it. I'm going to sign on for that. And I think Sinister as the villain has huge potential for that. And that's my take on Shazam and the state of comics and Marvel and so much more. <laughs> so I can't leave you with that. I've got to give you something, a high point and something, something that struck a nerve with me and, and gave me a moment to pause and reflect on this, this world we call nerddom and geekdom and pop culture and it's not something I usually talk about we all know how I feel about award shows pomp circumstance bullshit I don't care I don't care about award shows not and I'm not that person anymore however when an award show does what the Oscars did this year I do have to stop reflect and take note and this is the note wow I have to, and I've already talked about this, that the rightful successor, the one that makes the most sense of having them step in and take over for Dr. Jones, is Short Round. And given what I just saw, the the most emotional, moving acceptance speech I have ever seen, something from the heart, something that was uplifting, encouraging, and the basic just good-heartedness of an individual and just to have that outpouring freely on full display no filters no guards none of it and there it was and to see key accept that award for everything everywhere all at once and to just see that movie clean house at the oscars gives me gives me hope it really does because that film, I mean, I, I got emotional over a rock. Who does that? Who gets emotional over a rock? <laughs> I know we did a meat and potatoes review of the film. It was, Again, I don't do meat and potatoes, guys. Really, it's not me. But the reviewer stated he was upset, they were upset, that um, they didn't see it in the theater. And I agree. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on a plane. 
flying back, and I, I really wish I had seen it in the theater. And maybe if it does a round two or they do, like, you know, the victory tour or the Oscars victory tour, I will probably go see it. But that is a side point. To see all of this come out with his acceptance speech and to just just to be so genuine was was nice. It was refreshing. It was <laughs> inspiring. So if you haven't watched his acceptance speech, you should. I have seen other kind of like side clips and stuff like that where Harrison Ford and him reunite for a very genuine hug. Key has also said that, you know, running into Harrison Ford at D23, he was worried that Harrison wouldn't recognize him or remember him or think that he was after an autograph when Harrison Ford in his grumpy Harrison Fordness is excited to see him and gives him a hug. And there is still that genuine friendship between the two of them. They do like each other. They do care about each other. And just because you haven't seen your friend for a number of years doesn't mean you don't care. It doesn't mean that you still don't have an emotional range enough to say hello to that person or accept where they've been or what they've done or what's gone on since the last time you saw them. Everybody has life in between visits. Everybody. And to have him key up there and acknowledge the life and to acknowledge the dream and his parting words don't give up on your dreams and I think that's probably the best message a person can ever hear from anybody to be honest with you even Brandon Fraser who again disappeared off the radar comes back and wins an Oscar for best actor both of these gentlemen have a second chance. I mean, it'd be like getting fired from your dream job and finally making it back in, in, in to it or getting traded for a sports team and just having a bad run of luck. And just to see everybody be so genuine and, and inviting and just happy to see, I mean, you can't fault anybody. Everyone is excited, and you're, you're, what kind of person are you if you're not happy to see the little guy win? That's what we always want. That's what we're always preaching. We always want different stories. We want, the, we want the little guy to always win against insurmountable odds, and this year's award show did that for me. It gives hope to the hopeless, and, and, and it encourages people, yes, chase your dreams, and... I am where I am because of chasing those dreams and I refuse to yield. I will not back down and I continue to chase my dreams just as I'm sure you do. You 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 find it within yourself to do what is necessary to make those dreams a reality and you make the decisions as best you can. And to get a second chance or to to get an opening to get that chance to accelerate your curve or to break out even further into the world and 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 pursue that dream even better and harder and to enjoy simply what you do is great. Do we need to see short round take on the mantle of Dr. Jones? Yes, we do. I think it's time. We know it's the end. Harrison Ford's not coming back. And and maybe this is the case. Maybe short round shows up at the end. Maybe everyone has kept it under wraps. And it is possible in this day and age of social media to keep things secret. Picard. 
we don't always have the answers and sometimes not having those answers makes it so much better i know our curiosity we want to know everything and consume it all and to see what happens next and i get it just to be on the inside so you can say i heard it first i knew what was happening i already knew i I kept it to myself yeah sometimes you know what that doesn't need to happen sometimes just being surprised (laughs) is 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 the treat just being surprised is the fun don't need to know it all and the day i know it all is probably the day i hang up the microphone just saying and on that bombshell (laughs) there's my uplifting speech for the day thank you for listening give us a like give us a share tell all your friends about us i promise not every podcast is this emotional at the end usually i guess I don't know. I don't haven't talked to anybody. That's the problem. I've been doing cons across the country, and my dialogue changes from when I'm at a booth or when I'm interviewing someone or working on you know the different projects that I'm involved with right now. I don't get to do this with you all the time. So it's it's nice to get back in front of the mic for a little bit before I'm off to Orlando and MegaCon, which, okay, to be fair... I don't think I've ever been to MegaCon, so I'm kind of excited about this one. There are very few cons in this world that I have not done, and MegaCon is one of them, because usually it it coincides with C2E2. So, Susie, with Red, will be at C2E2 this year. I will be at MegaCon down in Orlando, Florida. So, wherever you're going to be, go by, say hi to Susie, who is our sponsor, usually. Uh, We just kind of traded so we can promote the screening of Fright Night. But Susie very much is still part of the show, very much part of the action, very much still a sponsor. So go over to SusieCues.com, check out her website. Also, Mr. Matt Campbell, Action Line Studios, is still a sponsor, and we thank him deeply from the very cockles of our heart. Because without Mr. Matt Campbell, we wouldn't have Scottish vampire slaying people in our lives, and we all need that. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, I will be back. I will be back next week. I'm not gone yet, but I will be back next week before I shuffle on off to Orlando. There are more cons coming. Again, keep an eye on the Colorado Festival of Horrors page. There will be a guest announcement from yours truly announcing who our next guests that we're excited to bring to Colorado for the 2023, or excuse me, 2023, just the 2023 season of Colorado Festival of Horror in our new location very excited about that but in the meantime run fast laugh hard and always be kind good night <laughs>